as the holidays start to transition to the restart of the year, work and school for many households, it's a time to start as you mean to go on, according to our guest, which means setting clear boundaries for children. Often parents find it tough to set boundaries for any age, but particularly holding firm on where to draw the line for teenagers who are needing more autonomy. Sheridan Ikatone is a parent coach and presenter at The Parenting Place. She's also the mother of four teenagers. Tēnā Sheridan. Great to have you with us. Yeah. It is that time of the year, isn't it? Everyone's trying to settle back into routines. And is it important to, as you say, start as you mean to go on? It is, and it is a tricky time of year, isn't it? I know my teenagers in my house are staying up really late and equally sleeping really late. (laughs) So I'm going to have a job on my hands to get them school ready by this time next week. What are some of the things to be thinking of for individual kids and for the whole household? Do you need a bit of a plan? You know, I think we do. I think it always starts with understanding what's happening in the teen years. And this can take parents by surprise because especially if they've got an early teenager on their hands, you know, we go from these cute 11, 12-year-olds who think mum and dad are really cool and listen well and do what they're told to these emerging adults who have a deep sense of a need for autonomy. Um, You know, we see autonomy in our kids in two distinct stages. So that toddler that says, I do it (laughs) to just about everything. And then our teenagers, as they're starting to sort of separate from us, decide who am I um, compared to mum and dad? What do I believe? Um, And I think if we can understand this as we navigate this new year and we navigate getting rhythms and routines, it just will help us have an easier ride with our teens. Let's do first principles, because they do need to push away. They are, as you say, practising becoming adults, practising having their own views, their own um, ideas, um, making their own decisions increasingly. But And they will often, as you say, go from saying mum and dad are cool to mum and dad are duh. Uh, and everything you say is stupid and you know nothing about anything. But behind that behaviour, there is still a very deep desire and need for boundaries. Yes? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I like to think about um, understanding autonomy before we think about boundaries, because as you say, um, autonomy is such a deep need in the teen years. So I, I really want to encourage parents to think about How can we validate our team's opinions? And here's the kicker, even when we may disagree, and there's a really high probability that as they are emerging into the teen years, they may think some things that are different to us. So can we validate them? And to truly validate their opinions, we need to listen without prejudice. Give us some some examples of that. I, I, I was just thinking a moment ago, the difference between values and opinions and there are values you will want to reinforce with your young person. Um, yes. But I, but let's stay with what you're saying, which is an opinion is expressed and you've got your own view on it with your lived experience. What are yes. some of the things you can say where you don't necessarily agree with it, but you yeah. don't correct it or put up your own opinion or undermine it or say, actually, what are some good responses that, that keep a conversation going or encourage that young person to exercise Autonomy of opinion. 
Yeah. So, you know, I think I think their ability to express their opinion about any given subject, it could be the length of their hair as they're starting back at school. It could be their thoughts on the new government and what they may believe is going on. Um, their ability to do that comes down to our ability to listen well. And so um, this takes a little bit of practice. And I think we get given a lot of opportunities in the teen years to listen well. What is hard about that is our instinct will often be to listen to reply or to listen enough to be able to tell them what I think your hair, hair should be like on day one of school or what I think of the new government. But the more that we can stop and just listen and validate whatever the op opinion is, the more safe they will feel to come to us with other opinions and other queries that they might have going on. If you want to keep a conversation going, though, you don't necessarily just want to sit there and say, uh-huh, okay, that in itself <laughs> can be a, a, a derogatory response. Are there phrases like, especially if you're into political opinion or, you know, maybe they've, they've picked up some stuff that you deem has come from a not very reliable source? Yes. Uh, everybody does that. Yeah. Can you say things like, you know, why do you think that? Or, you know, or um, yeah. what, what, what's I your thinking that. around that? What, what's, what's the basis for you? You know, are, are there ways of encouraging and exercising that muscle, as I said? Yeah. So, so you're absolutely right. We, we need to be a little bit careful because often our, our teens are a little bit uh, hesitant to bring their opinion to us. And so whatever questions we use, we really want to be able to deepen their ability to continue that conversation. So I love that. You know, what, what makes you think that? Tell me a bit more about that. Um, that really gives them an invitation to continue to talk. Um, you know, teenagers are notorious for being really good at acting like they don't need us they don't value our opinion they think we're a bit uh not cool but i think that actually they do really value our opinion and that is why we want to be careful with uh opening up conversation that allows them to just be able to tell us what they think what about the setting of boundaries in a literal sense curfews uh when you can go to the party and when you can't um, yes. As you said, uh, whether you're going to school with your shirt hanging out or that hugely expensive uniform you've just spent money on being chucked on the floor when you come home or, or, or whatever. What are the ways to have the conversation at an age and stage where you know you're going to get pushed back? And, and there are things on which you need to remain firm. They're not yes. matters of opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I really like this idea with thinking about setting boundaries with our teens if we understand that need for autonomy, and we do want to be careful that we support that in a healthy way, we don't want to give them so much autonomy that they get in, themselves into trouble, but equally we don't want to hold the reins so tightly that their need for autonomy needs to go underground so they're going to do all these things outside of our knowledge because they're so desperate to have some form of control. So when we think about setting boundaries, I love this idea of you know, a sort of a three-step process. The first being, hear your teen's perspective. So I think as parents, we can be quite good at sitting our teen down and say, hey, now I've been thinking about this and I think that we should do X, Y, and Z without actually hearing their perspective on a, on a matter or an issue that we need to go over with them. Second to that would be sharing our perspective. 
So having them here, from my perspective, this is what I'm thinking. And then after we've heard both perspectives, we can work out a win-win situation together. Are there times, as I said again, where you do just come in with, these are the rules, you know, this is the way our household works. There definitely is a time for that. Absolutely. You know, I think some things, especially around safety, need to be an important priority that maybe we lead more in that situation. So, um, you know, we often talk about in coaching in our family, we um, as a really good statement to lead into even before the teen years where there is an established boundary around things within our home. So, you know, it might be a teen who um, comes home saying everyone at school has their phone in their room and I think it's so unfair, you're so mean. And already we've established in our family, the phones go on the kitchen bench at nine o'clock. And so it is a consistent message that we hold a boundary around. You know, I think the layer that we can add to this in the teen years is we really want to have reasons for our rules. I love the saying that says rules without, uh, sorry, rules without uh, reasons equals rebellion. So we are much more likely to get buy-in from our teenagers when there is valid reasons for the rules that we have. This is also the issue of negotiation um, and um, giving a little on each side, which is, after all, the way they're going to be conducting all their adult relationships, right? So is there a transition point, um, and not necessarily an age transition point, but a maturity transition point, and and where do you recommend it, where you say, okay, if not this, then what? How are we going to get to an answer on this? Yeah. Well, again, um, I I really love this. Uh, There's a lovely uh, psychologist, Lisa Damore, who's got some great podcasts out there. And she talks about um, having the ability to uh, share to your team what you feel their perspective is. So it might be that I say, hey, we're talking about um, screen time and what's appropriate. Here's what I'm thinking you're thinking. And, And you share with them what you feel like their perspective is. But equally, we then say to our team, hey, I'm really curious around what do you think my perspective is? This is how we can start this negotiation process where actually we're both taking each perspective and then being willing to navigate. And possibly even in the teen years, we might find that we decide their case is valid enough to ease some of our restrictions. And then it becomes a two-way street. As you say, we are sort of modeling how do we build relationship and connection um, that's going to be a valuable skill for them moving forward in their other adult relationships. Well, you're also modelling how to yield, but yield yes. a position for a good reason. Um, and, and that is another transition, going from no because I say so or no because yes. these are the rules of our household to um, uh, saying, actually, okay, you've got a point. And, and that, again, is the exercising of a maturing of a relationship with a, with a young person. That's it. You know, my eldest is 20 now and my next one is 18. And we are really navigating this season of understanding that the wealth of what we've uh, put into our kids, we, we need to step back a little bit so we're walking alongside them. 
and we're watching as they make some pretty big decisions. And, you know, they know that no matter what happens, we're going to be there for them. But actually, more and more, uh, the need for autonomy we support in a way that says, yep, you can make this decision. If you want to hear what I think about it, I'm here. But this is innately your decision to make. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, this is a scary season to be in because it feels a lot safer when your kids are younger and you really feel like you've got the reins, you've got the ability to make the big calls. But I also think we need as parents to trust that the work that we've done is good and that we're going to produce these kids that go on and be great adults. I've just had a flashback to my own adolescence. Apologies for this, but um, you, you, you mentioned as parents and in whatever your parenting situation um, or your caregiving situation, you've got to be on the same page. I remember, I can't remember how old I was. I don't even know if I'd hit my teens. And I, and I got permission from my father to go to the roller skating rink, you know, the nighttime one where they play all that terrible music. Yes. And that. Um, everyone's Loved aging it. me by that. And then my mother <laughs> caught wind of it and put no to it. And then they had a fight. I made sure I listened in from a distance um, over over her overriding him. And that was a simple mm-hmm. case. And I had a massive temper tantrum and, and moved on. But that was a simple case where something had happened and one parent overruled the other parent because they hadn't anticipated and worked out what they were going to do about it, right? Um, and I still remember it 400 years later. Um, so yeah. you, this is not some, this is not something that you that you do on your own. This is something that whomever has responsibility for your children, whether whether it's a fellow parent or um, a grandparent or, or a caregiver, you have to work mm-hmm. as a team. And then to your other yeah. point, it might be slightly different between kids. They will point out exactly the day that a sibling was allowed to go to a party Absolutely. the first time. Absolutely. But on some Absolutely. of the stuff, there will be nuance <laughs> on what's happening when. Yeah, and this is where I think we do have to be really careful. There's no, I've got four kids, four very different kids. There is no one size fits all approach. There is levels of maturity, there is respect and, um, showed responsibility that may allow more freedoms so I do think we need to cultivate this idea that you know respect is a two-way street and um, it's not going to be the same for all of you Um, and again you know when we think about being a sturdy leader within our family um, there is this sense that we do value our team's perspective but at the end of the day we are going to negotiate and work out together what's the best for our family with the normally younger teens, but not necessarily to the point we've just been discussing, the eye rolls, the stomping off, the sort of, you know, the carry on, the, the, the act of resistance. Yeah. Do you just wait it out? Um, do you just keep going, yeah. hold the line, knowing that yeah. for some this is where they're at behaviourally? Yeah. I really love, um, you know, Nathan Wallace does a beautiful job of explaining, you know, in the teen years that prefrontal cortex gets shut down, closed for renovations. What it means is that, that our teens often sit in the real emotional side of their brain. I will, I will never forget the day I learned that because I felt like I went away with a new grace for my teenagers that when I see that grumpiness, that, uh, that irritability, it's actually not personal. Uh, a lot of it is actually what's happening in their brain. And I do feel like we should be able to give our 
our teens a little bit of a break. I don't know about you, but I often think about how grouchy I was as a teenager. And I think, you know, explosively so at times, right? You know, absolutely. You know, and and this is to Nathan's point about the prefrontal cortex and everything else. um, There are times where even the teen will be surprised by what they've just said or done. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you have to, there has to be leeway around some of that. It's not necessarily a deliberate defiance. Some of it is just yes. the way their bit of kit is functioning right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, doesn't mean that we don't have expectations, boundaries, uh, family values that we want to uphold. But we know that we need to allow, you know, my beautiful mum who's in her mid-80s, she always had the saying, everyone is allowed their initial reaction. It's what you do with it afterwards that's important. And I think if we could extend that grace to our teens that everyone's allowed their initial reaction, we can talk to them when they're calm and maybe walk through, hey, actually maybe there's a better way that you can manage it next time than slamming the door when you come home. I wonder what was going on for you. You must have had such a big feeling in that moment. And so, you know, again, extending grace, being willing to be with our kids when they have big explosive moments will help them navigate and move through much quicker than, you know, shutting them down or sending them to their room. I just want to finish with something that you alluded to earlier that I think is really important. Parenting at this age, and particularly when they're at their mid-teens, older teens, is an information-gathering exercise as well. And you may be alarmed at some of what you're hearing, but it is really important that you are able to keep a conversation going so you are able to learn more about what is going on. And simply coming in over the top and saying, that's not okay, they shouldn't be smoking that weed, that shouldn't have happened at that party, um, you'll shut it down. And actually, part of what you need to be doing as you guide your loved one, is your young one, is, is... a big intelligence gathering exercise, right? To your point, they need to be able to tell you stuff whether or not you like it. Mm -hmm. And so much of whether they're going to tell you is, is related to their connection and their relationship with you. So the more that we can build connection in the teen years, the more safe they feel to come and tell us the big stuff. So I do think, you know, we need to be careful with our reactions. You know, hold our reaction to our partner around a big event and bring our calm to our teens so that there is a sense of no matter what, I've got you, kid, and no matter what, you can bring this stuff to me because I'm I'm big enough to uh, hold it for you and to walk through it with you. Thanks so much, uh, Sheridan Ikatone, 